Sports. Steve Sinsmeister, Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I don't have any message for my teammates. Just go out and do your job. I mean, <laughs> I'm not yet. Appreciate it. Go ahead and cut me off because I was about Lebroni, Lebroni, Lebroni. That was Lebron James following a very bad loss to the Hawks uh, Wednesday, I want to say. Tuesday or Wednesday. Shortly after that game, too, there was a lot of assumption about a singular hourglass emoji tweet, post, whatever, that Lebron James had on his account. And a lot of people were trying to put two and two together and wonder, does Lebron James want change? Time is and different. who does he want change for? Does he want it for around him or for him? For himself, maybe. Yeah. Okay. I, I think if you're the Lakers, you cannot trade LeBron James. That's just my opinion. Well, do you want me to put the... You can, but I wouldn't. Do you want me to put the conversation to bed, so to speak? or do yeah, you? go ahead. Rich Paul to Brian Windhorst of ESPN. LeBron won't be traded and we aren't asking to be. Yeah. Plain and simple. That's it. Yeah. What's his contract, by the way? Does it run through this year? He has an option. He's an option. So I was listening because Dave McMenamin just posted. Uh, McMenamin works for ESPN, covers the Lakers. Dave McMenamin just posted covers a video LeBron, from. Let's be honest. Yeah, sure. Dave McMenamin <laughs> just posted a video from their shoot around today, and he was asked if he wanted to clarify on the hourglass emoji tweet. No, no, what he said no, no thanks. Asked. Uh, in response of Paul of Rich Paul saying they don't want to be traded and they're not asking if he has any plans about or he knows his plan regarding his option for next year. And he said no. Yeah, I, I think all of that speaks for itself. I don't think LeBron wants to go anywhere right now. Uh, I don't think that he will. Um, I also don't think that the Lakers are a particularly good team right now. No, they're not. Um, they're- but could they do other things to make themselves better? I, they, they've been talked about in the DeJounte Murray stuff. Um, they've been linked to a couple of other significant players. I, I don't know how much wiggle room they have. I haven't looked into their situation too heavily, but you got to try to work something out around LeBron for the next through the end of this season. Look, this is kind of the model, right? You you pay a lot of money to two players in particular. Sure, you don't have a lot of money to spend anywhere else, do you? No. Look at it with the Suns. Not a lot. You're paying a lot of money to three players. I mean, Nurk is just getting a decent amount of change too. You don't have a lot of money to spend everywhere else. You're kind of screwed for the most part. Well, I mean, the, La- this, the difference is that the Lakers will always find a way because they're the Lakers. This is not a new concept, by the way. No. LeBron is not even new to it. Remember when he left Cleveland the first time and went to Miami? And you remember how they built the roster? Free agency. Dwayne Wade was sticking around, but he didn't sign his deal till the very end so that they could distribute the money elsewhere. Mm-hmm. LeBron and Chris Bosh were the first two to sign. I don't really remember in what order. I think it was LeBron first, but I don't remember. And then Dwayne signs back on. Now you have no money to go around, so you just fill out the rest of the roster with, you know, basically vet minimum guys. The mm-hmm. way that the Suns did mm-hmm. this offseason, where you literally had Devin Booker as a holdover, Durant as a holdover. You trade for Bradley Beal, f- figure out the rest. So that's not new. Uh, it's just changing out one piece for another is really all the Lakers have as an option at the deadline. Yeah. And maybe that works for them. Well, it, it seems like every single year there's a discussion about the Lakers and trades because, one, they're one of the more popular teams in discussion in the country world. And, B, 
Because LeBron never really has a team that is consistent from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And I think a lot of that stems back to that final Cavaliers season where they made a lot of interesting signings in the offseason, like bringing in a lot of LeBron's buddies, like they brought in Dwayne Wade, they brought in Isaiah Thomas, you know. And then they overhauled completely at the deadline, and they brought in George Hill, and they brought in Rodney Hood, etc. It's almost as if if you're on a LeBron team, there's no guarantee that you're on LeBron's team when the season's done. Because LeBron will find a way to make it so that his team can be the one that's there at the end by any means necessary. And if that means expending you, generally speaking, so be it. And that kind of puts the Lakers in a very contentious position every single time this time of year. Let's play a game for a second. Okay. I like games. Uh, even though Rich Paul has already kind of destroyed this possibility, let's say that LeBron play the could where, be where traded. Go game? Where would you want him to go? Want? Because I have, I have a team in mind. Um, I have a couple, but I have one that I think would be... I have a bit of a crazy one in mind. Okay. Throw it at me. Golden State. Huh. Okay. And again, I don't know what it would take to get LeBron from the Lakers. Well... Obviously, it's not happening, so we'll never know the answer. Yeah, it'll never happen. But I wonder if this becomes a trade where the Warriors go full in on trying to get Curry one more ring before... They either don't re-up him or whatever it is, and they move on. I think Curry's the lifer in Golden State. I can't say that about anybody else anymore. Oh, man. After so you all Cur- the crap that Durant took for teaming up with them. So Curry. You think LeBron would do the same? Do anything for a title. It's not like the Warriors are in a great position right now. I know. I know. Curry, LeBron. Yeah. And then maybe you trade away a couple of your younger guys, a pick or two, and then maybe something that makes the salary match like... Maybe you give away Draymond Green, or maybe you give away Clay's expiring, and then you just have Curry LeBron running up the floor. Oklahoma City. Ooh. Goes to Kevin Durant's original team. Teams up with Shea. That's a team with a SGA, ton of picks. A ton of young talent. Yeah, that's a that's a fun one. That's a fun one? I no couldn't way. see him doing no, it, No, but it'd be fun. The one that, I, that came to my mind was Miami. Again? Go back to Miami. Team up with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. The Miami Heat have been looking for the third big star for the last several off seasons, and just what keep happened missing. to Tyler Hero? Tyler Hero would probably have to be in the trade. To be honest with you, but mm. um, yeah, they're, they've been looking for that third guy. And if you're looking at a real short term window, uh, we know the history there with LeBron in Miami. We know what Pat Riley likes to make big splashes. Just hasn't been able to do it lately. They tried for Damian Lillard. They tried for Bradley Beal. They've tried for other guys. That's a team that would be really interesting. Dallas. With Kyrie? No. They certainly have a history together. With Luka. Well, I know. I know the conversation starts with Luka. Well, maybe you would need to move Kyrie's contract to make that work. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's a fun game to play. It's never going to happen. I think the real interesting narrative is what does he do after this season? Uh, And a lot of that is predicated on what happens with his kid who's at USC and is a fine player and is actually developing pretty well with a nice skill set. But he isn't helping his draft stock right now. Well, and he's not a top five pick. And he's not on a good team either. Right. So does that kid even get drafted if he comes out after this season? Maybe not. Or does he even come out after the season? Or does a team pick that kid just because they think it gives him a chance at LeBron? 
Ugh. Even a team, consider a consider a late first-round team. I don't even know if, who has their own picks these days because most good teams in the NBA don't have first-round picks anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the picks, I think, are Oklahoma City's for the next three years. But imagine like a, like a Milwaukee takes a, a chance at the end of the first round and just picks a kid like Bronny James just to see. Is he going to come? Is LeBron James going to come on a vet minimum deal for a year just to play with his kid? I'm still fascinated by what happens in the future with LeBron. There's some other. There's another topic that I wanted to hit on. Excuse me. In this NBA discussion, I don't want to talk about the Lakers anymore. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fair. Okay, cool. Joel Embiid, per Shams, has been diagnosed with a displaced flap in his meniscus. Ew. And he's mulling surgery or just rest and rehab. That sounds awful. Per sources. A. It sounds awful. B. A lot of people are pinpointing it to the same thing. The brand new rule that was introduced in the collective bargaining agreement this year that says in order to qualify for end of season honors, you have to have played a minimum of 65 games. Like the MVP. The MVP. You're talking about MVP. All NBA. Rookie of the year, I'm guessing. Any of those basic end of year awards. You got to play 65. Everybody is bringing it up because... There is assumption that Embiid rushed himself back to make sure that he wouldn't miss the required amount of games. Now, maybe to clarify as to what I mean by that, he was not on the injury report for a game against Denver last week, but was eventually scratched because the the uh, health staff noticed something, right? Then he misses the next game and then finds his way back in the lineup for a game against Golden State. Bangs knees with Jonathan Kaminga, and now he may be out for even longer. So the discussion has become this rule is created, and it's now putting players in even further danger that are trying to incentivize themselves at the end of the year. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I've always taken that rule as a reaction to the resting of star players. It totally is, yes. Because if I pay hundreds of dollars to go to a Suns game to see Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Bradley Beal, and none of them play, I'm ticked. Right. And so the the NBA's response to that was, okay, you have to play at least, what is essentially, what is it, like 80% of games. Yes. I think it's 78. It comes out to 78%, something like that. You have to play at least 80% of games in order to be eligible for these things that, oh, by the way, your contract incentivizes you if you win some of these awards. So you best believe that Joel Embiid wants to play 80% of the games because there's probably an incentive to him winning the MVP. He's the reigning MVP and the reigning AP all first team center from a year ago. He's been on the AP all teams the last couple of years. He's been runner up for MVP the years before. You think about the NBA season and you think of Joel Embiid as one of the best centers in the league. Yes or no? Absolutely. One of the best players in the league. Absolutely. Why does he need to play 65 games? Right? In order for what? To be recognized as such. Because what's going to happen now is he's not going to be eligible for MVP. Fine. Whatever. He won his. He cares more about the postseason. Cool. But to your point about incentives and contracts for winning these awards. Yeah. If this is what happens as a result of being fo- get, getting to this benchmark, then you're putting the players in danger. Aren't certain awards uh, or named to an All-NBA, all don't those also impact your contract status? Yes. If you're a max player or a certain level? If you make level? an All-NBA team, you qualify for an extra $20, 30000000 million. That's right. the Tyrese Halliburton dilemma, too. Right. Because he's easily a first-team All-NBA guard. Should be. 
And if he doesn't get to 65 games, he doesn't even qualify for any team. He won't get super max money just because he didn't play enough games. See, I think the 65 game rule should apply to awards like MVP, Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, all that kind of stuff, because longevity does play a role in that. I don't want to name an MVP who only played 20 games. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we can all acknowledge LeBron James, Giannis, and Jokic and Embiid are probably the MVP every year. One of those four. Mm-hmm. Good betting money, right? Um, so I don't want it to be predetermined. So I do want that limit, but maybe take the limit off for, like, the first team All-NBA, second all like the All-NBA teams, because those impact contracts more than an MVP would. You see what I mean? And So maybe you could separate the two. There's the devil's advocate side to it of why would you negotiate that in your contract if you weren't going to play the number of games? Well, guess what? This is a brand new rule, and some people had no choice but to deal with what was already grandfathered in their contract. And injuries just happen. Yes. It's not like I picked, I chose to have a loose flap in my kneecap. Seriously. Which sounds horrible, by the way. I didn't even know you had a flap down there. (laughs) Coming up next, Kingsbury. No longer going to be the OC in Las Vegas. What? Where will he go, though? I think I know. We think we know, too, next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Mitch and Steve present Footnotes on Arizona Sports Saturday. It's the part of the show where we get to all the other stories that we wanted to talk about. And one of them we didn't plan on talking about in this sort of context, but it's been a developing story throughout the day, which is to say, oh, and there you go. Now everybody's riding on the commander's train. So to start from point A, Cliff Kingsbury was set to take the Raiders OC job and then withdrew that today per his agent, Eric Burkhart, which was kind of surprising because we thought it was a done deal like a week ago. And reports have said that the contract negotiations fell apart. And so that was the end of that. And now he is the leading candidate to become the OC of the Washington Commanders. I wonder if he was just interviewing with both and kind of leveraging each one of them for more money or more power. I don't know. Whatever it is you can get out of these jobs. Isn't that what the agent is supposed to do? Well, and Eric Burkhardt and was... wasn't it the agent who initially gave the reporting to Schefter? Yes, correct. Dun, dun, dun. So maybe he was trying to leverage the two positions and ultimately decided he would rather have the commander's job than the Raiders job for whatever reason. Maybe a week ago when it was close to a done deal in Vegas, the commander's job wasn't even a thing yet because Dan Quinn didn't have that job. Mm-hmm. They didn't know who the OC was going to be in Washington. So along comes Washington. Cliff gets involved in that conversation. And now it looks like he's going to D.C. Interesting. And I'm curious what it does for Eric Bieniemy as well. Oh, yeah. Remember how big of a deal that was for him to leave Kansas City, take the OC job in Washington, and now he's probably on his way out the door again. Is he going to get scooped up? felt like when they hired him, he was like the heir apparent to the head coaching position. Uh Like he was next in line, kind of like a la Josh McDaniels in New England. That never works, by the way. When you hire a guy and you're like, you're the next guy, never works. Todd Bowles in Arizona, didn't work. Uh, Josh McDaniels didn't work. Well, Todd Bowles worked in Tampa. <laughs> yeah, but before that, he went to uh, the Jets, and that didn't work. Right, right. So, I get what you mean. He's, I don't know, man. I don't know what's going to happen with Eric Bieniemy, but he might hit the market here. And with any, what it's looking and like. would any team pivot from their current OC to make that change? It'll be interesting to see. Let's talk about Diamondbacks real quick. Okay. So yesterday, I was listening to the Wolf and Luke show, 
and Paul Calvisi was in for Luke and was talking with Wolf about the Vegas over-under win total for the Diamondbacks. Oh. And you know, I thought, you know what? This is actually a good conversation. I love preseason predictions. Except for this one. <laughs> per our friends from FanDuel. Okay. 83 and a half over under for wins for the Diamondbacks this regular season. Uh, do you want to know, do you remember, I should say, how many games they won last year uh, in 2023? I wanted to say it was 83? Close. 84. 84. So you know what this tells me? Was they're going to get worse? No, no, no. You know what this tells me? Was it a fluke or not? So they're projecting they're going to get worse. Pretty much. That's weird. That one win over this over gives them the same win total as last year. How That's much crazy to me. Do you know how much they have for the other teams in the NL West? Because like I, I feel like the Dodgers didn't get a ton better. I know they got Otani and, and Yamamoto. And I that. don't know for the rest of the teams at this exact moment. I could go back and look the later. The Padres didn't get better. But they I, got worse. I grabbed screenshots of a bunch of different things. So like 83 and a half is their over-under wins total for the regular season. They're plus 1,100 for the division. That's the second shortest odds, by the way. In the National League, they are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7th. Shortest odds at 1,800, which seems low. For the World Series, their 13th shortest odds at 3,500. And then other stuff is individual players and managers. Tori Lovello is barely in the top 10 for manager of the year. Yeah, I, I don't love that. I, I don't think this team is a 100-win team. I don't even think they're a 95-win team necessarily. I think putting them somewhere between 85 and 90 is fine and fair. That would show improvement over a team do, that went to the World Series, by the way. But then do that. Don't do 83 and a half. The thing is, I, I think these projections in baseball are mattering less and less because we're seeing teams that are wild card teams go to the go deep in the playoffs. And that's certainly what happened with the Diamondbacks last year. So uh, I'll pin them somewhere between 85 and 90. 87. So you take the over. Yeah, I'll take the over for sure. This feels like a sucker take the over bet. But then again, Vegas is Vegas for a reason, right? They know something. Uh, we were just talking about Cliff Kingsbury and how he's seen as the OC for the commanders or it's, it's heading that way. It appears to be. They've also found their head coach, Dan Quinn. It's the new head coach of the commanders. And then the Seahawks have named Mike McDonald their next head coach, the former DC of the Ravens. And that means Bill Belichick has gone the whole cycle, and he's on nobody's team. Yeah, we talked about this last week, and I, I feel exactly the same way now that I did then. I think that he was not up for either of those gigs because I don't think he wanted either of those gigs. I think he's going to wait a year, and in a year we'll see what organizations have openings. I wouldn't be shocked if the Cowboys have an opening in a year, if they don't have some success. The one I'd keep my eye on, Philadelphia. They're going to go through a lot of changes. And I'm not just talking about Jason Kelsey retiring. Well, I'm talking about the Eagles. If they don't have another good season in the postseason next year, I think Nick Sirianni might be on his way out. They brought in Kellen Moore as their new OC and Vic Fangio as their DC. So it seems like they got the guys that they really wanted to replace Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon with. Like a year late? A year late. Yeah. No, that's fair. Another curiosity with that that I'm now blanking on and I'm not just going to transition out of instead. Saturday at the Waste Management Phoenix Open, typically the most popular day of the year for that event. Right? Oh, yeah. They sold, break the record every year. Sold out. 
Oh yeah, that's not a shocker at they, all. Uh, I'm re- I was reading the release. The uh, chair said they want to put a cap on it. So oh, the amount yeah. of Saturday specific tickets they have sold, they have no more. Well, and at some point, anymore. I mean, we're talking about two hundred plus thousand people yeah. every year. It's packed. I don't remember the exact number last year, but we're we're talking hundreds of thousands of people out at the tour on Saturday. And uh, you you've been right. You've been to the waste management open. That's my thing is that I've never gone to the oh cement my gosh, before, dude. I've only been on Saturday, by the way. I've only experienced the craziest of days. It's amazing people watching. And my favorite way to do it <laughs> is you go in the morning, not like four in the morning where you're no, running, sprinting to no, 16. I'm no, not no, that no. guy. Uh, but you go in the morning, you find a hole where you can sit around the green and you sit there and you're like 10 feet from the players putting. Right. Right. And you're the only one there. And sit there for three or four hours and just watch people trickle in. And you'll go from being the only person sitting in a patch of grass to all of a sudden there's 500 people all cheering people's putts every single time. That is the Waste Managed Phoenix Open. It is. Waste Management is single-handedly one of my favorite experience, sports experience of all time. I, I went with my dad and my sister, and we just followed one of the guys we followed, Phil Mickelson. We just followed them around the whole time. Of course, yeah. I, but, and then, obviously, uh, Tiger hasn't been in the uh, WM Open for years, but it, it, it's just so fun. It's so relaxing. It's it's really it's really fun. I've got any day passes Ooh. for this year, so now I can kind of So you are choose. going. I think so. You just haven't gone yet. I have never gone. Are you? What day are so you thinking about first, going? I want to do Saturday, but I'm worried about. I've been hearing reports about the weather. Oh, that's coming in yeah, that's another week. thing. So if I don't end up doing Saturday, then I would flex to Sunday. Can you imagine two hundred thousand people out there in the rain oh. on Saturday, stomping mud and all? On that. the one hand, it would be kind of epic. On the other hand, it could be a disaster. I, I vote disaster, personally. I love going to the Open. I think it's really fun. I'm not going this year. Uh, it just wasn't on my list this year. But um, one of the cooler events that happens every single year here in the Valley, no doubt about it. And then coming up next, which is why we're getting off when we are, Arizona State at Cal. Kyle D- Kyle Dodd and Tim Healy on the call coming up shortly. You're going to want to stay tuned for that. From my co-host Mitch Vareldis, for Jamal Behind the Glass, I'm Steve Zinsmeister. Thank you so much for spending part of your afternoon here with us on Arizona Sports Saturday.